Welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. We come back this week after the Seahawks' first loss of the 2021 season to talk over that and look ahead to week three. Joining myself as ever, the Stuart Court, is Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? Uh, I guess I normally say I'm okay. I uh, found out on uh, Sunday evening when I wasn't able to smell anything in my flat that uh, Houston, we had a problem or Tennessee, we had a problem, uh, whichever one you want to go with. And uh, yes, I uh, unfortunately had a negative or positive PCR test, but I seem to be very much on the mend from the old 19. But uh, yes, I am riddled, as they would say, uh, with with COVID. So uh, I feel fine. But uh, yes, I have I, I have it. So I, I can't necessarily turn around and say, yeah, great. I mean, you had you had a banner weekend then. Uh, oh yeah, it, it all it all happened for me this weekend, especially Sunday. Sunday was a particularly good day. Yeah. And, um, amazingly, COVID was the third worst thing that happened on Sunday. So uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, so the series on Sunday evening, night, way too late in the night when you've got a six fifteen bus to catch the work the next morning. Uh, lost at home, the Tennessee Titans thirty three. 30 in overtime they kind of felt it was looming especially when uh, CBS broadcasting kept bringing up the graphic of 12 straight home openers one for the Seahawks it kind of felt it was like uh, for uh, foreshadowing a bit didn't it Adam yeah it very much felt like a game of two halves uh, I think you'd say I mean yeah. All of my uh, my prior thoughts about the Seahawks being sort of a, a bad, good team this year, if I was going to put them in a bracket, you know, after that first half and after the win last week, I thought, blimey, maybe this is, uh, there's properly something here. I mean, we're swatting these blokes aside, to be honest, yeah. uh, especially that last two minute, two minute drill that led to, I guess, Chris Carson's second rushing touchdown uh, in front of the Hawks nest. I mean, it was like, wow, they're playing phenomenally well and then halftime is like as our friend on his podcast Mike Dugas said halftime is 12 minutes and in 12 minutes they seem to manage to undo everything good that they had done in the first half and I guess we're sat here thinking that the team are sort of what we thought they were before the game I think overall or not yeah yeah I'm not sure anything changed after Sunday I mean the Tennessee Titans on Sunday ran 80 plays they ran the ball, it felt like 80 times, but they ran 80 plays. The Seahawks ran 49. Yeah. I mean, like I think I text you Sunday night, maybe maybe uh, on Monday, that that's exactly, that game, particularly in the second half from the Titans, is exactly what Pete Carroll builds, builds everything around, is why Pete Carroll is drafting running backs in the first round, paying running backs, paid Carson, paid Lynch. I mean, it's what we did to teams in Marshall and Lynch, isn't it? Especially in that second half. So I, I'm not sure, like, I think Joe Fan tweeted our time that through six quarters the Seahawks look like one of the best teams in the league. But, like, I don't think they fell too far down after that second half. They just faced a team and a person, we spoke to Ben last week, who's just ridiculous. Yeah, I think... Before the game, I felt that Seattle were maybe 
the eighth to the tenth best team in the league. Maybe seven, six, if you want to be six to ten. Six to ten. Okay, let's say six to ten. I still think the cornerback issue is well, we'll go into that. But yeah. But after the first half, I thought, wow, like this might be a top five team. So yeah, end of the game, nothing changes from the start of the game. But I feel like there might have been a peak in the middle of the game where I thought, wow, this team could be really good. And then maybe the deficiencies that we felt were there kind of showed up a bit. Yeah, I think I think the first half Derek Henry had thirty six yards on the ground. Yeah. On like 13 carries. On like 13, which is what Chris Carson finished the game with, the two touchdowns. But then the second half, obviously, he just went berserk. But I think I, I, I really just do, I think that the Titans just kept doing what they were strong at. I, I read last week's guest Ben Arthur's column after the game where they found their identity in the second half, or rediscovered their identity in the second half. And it basically just give him the ball at every opportunity. He had a career high in catches on Sunday as well. So every way they got him involved, they could. And it was pretty much the difference. I mean, like, like, we didn't really get to Tannehill in the first half. It was just that their cornerbacks were, apart from Christian Fulton, who shut down and wound up DK Metcalf, which is a another point of conversation I'm sure we'll get to, um, were garbage. <laughs> and but apart from that, nothing really changed. Apart, it just they were more successful doing what they did in the first half and second half. Yeah, I, it's very difficult to quantify this, but it, it felt... So I missed the whole Colts game. As you know, I didn't get didn't get a chance to watch that because I was working and reading the messages of like, wow, the offense looks so different. Like the tempo is great. But if that Colts game had never happened and you'd watch that Titans game afterwards, the, the feeling that I got from most people was like, it didn't really seem like a hell of a lot had changed. Like we still felt like we were reliant on short runs and long passes in broken play. I, I don't know about you, but I didn't sense like a rhythmic change on Sunday that people seem to talk about was definitely there against the Colts. Yeah, I, I, it was there against the Colts. I just, I mean, Sunday Sunday felt like, what, Halloween, post-Halloween last year. Yeah. From the Seahawks, again, especially in that second half. But the Seahawks on Sunday had five scoring drives, the longest in time, was the first one, 1 minute 58. The Titans had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 uh, scoring drives, and all of them were over two and a half minutes. I mean, like they just kept doing them. 13 players, 7 play, 8, 8, a 2 play, 75-yard drive, <laughs> um, a 12 play and a 5 play to ice it when really they were just playing situationally to try and give the kicker more room for missing it which he did obviously earlier in the game it just yeah they, uh, like yeah I, for me not a lot changed it, there's a few things which are concerning obviously but I don't think I mean Davin, is Davin Cook injured? He got banged up but I don't know I, people have been picking up Matteson on fancy yeah. and things, but I, I, I'm not sure if that's a contingency I don't think he's out yeah so but apart from that I don't really I can't think of a we're not going to face Derek Henry again this season. I don't know, that I can think. Obviously, we're going to face ring attacks. Obviously, the Niners are waiting in week four. And I mean, the way Garoppolo is playing, they're probably going to have to run the ball with someone from the CFL if they keep getting the injuries they do. But, like, yeah. Um, I think I said to you, the, the, he kicked the ball at the end of the game. The ball went through the post. I turned my TV off and went to sleep. But <laughs> I, I really, this one did not linger. And I wake up and I read, 
uh, the usual suspects on on Twitter, then jump on the group on Facebook, and it's just like simmer a bit. It 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 wasn't great. Obviously, it's embarrassing to lose. Was it a fifteen point lead at halftime at home? But against the team, but we should do what we've done for over a decade. But it's week two. It's an inter-conference game, which in like tiebreakers and stuff doesn't really count for as much um, at the end of the season if tiebreakers are needed and strength of schedules and all that. But yeah, it's like absolutely nothing changed for me. I think that's like the 16th time I've said that. But um, So what was your main, you mentioned there are a few concerns. I've got one or two. What, what What's one that really jumped off the page at you? Well, the words I didn't think of, Brian Monet not playing and seemingly being injured because they've had a few um, run stuff in deep defensive tackles in yesterday, I think, mm-hmm. visiting, which doesn't bode well for his, what, next month availability at least. That That's a concern, but it's also that is a concern which we had when Jaron Reed was cut and then Geno Atkins wasn't brought in or they didn't really seem to address address that with obviously they only had three picks but they didn't even seem to address it with like undrafted guys they just kind of we've got Puna we'll have Mone, we'll sign at the 39 year old Al Woods again and hope we get by that's a concern the other concern is <laughs> DK Metcalf man there's he's not like oh he, he didn't get he didn't go he got a target in her staff against the Colts and obviously had a touchdown in the second half there but Sunday and it, it it it's just yeah it's in a con it, twelve months ago we had Shaquille Griffin who walked into a contract year and basically admitted that he like he loses concentration and he basically falls asleep during a game kind of thing and that was like alarming it's like DK Metcalf is he's not he's not he he doesn't you watch Tyler Lockett, he comes around with pretty much every every which way catch you can catch a ball, Tyler Lockett can do. DK Metcalf in year four still has three, a play. Three? three? Yeah, yeah three. three. Year three still has a few plays which are like, yeah, he might not catch this. Oh, he hasn't caught that. That's not that surprising. But with Tyler Lockett, which is maybe unfair because Tyler Lockett's been in the league, what, four or five years longer, but... Ty Lockett never really has had that um, lingering doubt when the ball's thrown his way. It's like, it's more often than not, like it was with Doug Baldwin, uh, like, it, like it even really was with like, people like Sidney Rice. Every time the ball was thrown to one, more often than not, unless the DB or defensive player made the play, they're going to come down with the ball. DK Metcalf hasn't got rid of that and just seems to be more interested in just uh, just whatever he was doing in the first half against Fulton on Sunday because it was yeah it was slightly concerning the way he was acting on the sidelines and in between plays but then just not coming down with the plays that he's going to want to be paid like he comes down with if that makes sense mm-hmm. so this has been quite a leads on to a, a topic on Seahawk Twitter that even a friend of the show has been posting about quite a lot and it's sort of the the lack of the intermediate game passing that, that we don't appear to have at the minute. And I guess going into the game, I'm trying to frame this, AJ Brown versus DK Metcalf would have been seen as like one of the matchups of the game on Sunday going into it. Like there's loads of narratives you can build from that. And I would say that AJ Brown had a disaster of a game, whereas DK Metcalf was just did nothing. And like, for me, 
DK doing nothing almost feels worse to me because the Titans tried to get AJ Brown involved a lot on yeah. 15, 20 yard passes, like play action, drop back, bang, <laughs> throw it. Across the middle as well. Across, and he just dropped loads and he was shit. But that's going to happen. Whereas I kind of feel more concerned about DK Metcalf not being able to get involved and what that says about the scheme. And, you know, does Russell want to throw it over the middle? Does he want to throw to the open guy intermediate? That that strikes as more of a concern, whereas AJ Brown will probably go off for 160 yards and two touchdowns next week because they'll just keep throwing it to him. Yeah. I mean, Julio Jones got 160 yards receiving, and I remember like two catches. It's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think AJ Brown is more of like a like an anomaly, like an asterisk next to the game because oh this happened or whatever. But yeah, DK Metcalf is it's only two weeks and obviously but it's the yeah. We've seen we've seen it happen with other teams receivers. And yeah, it's slightly concerning that it's happening whilst question marks over him three years ago when he was drafted out of Mississippi are still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's obviously he could Sunday he could absolutely torch whoever the Vikings have at corner and go for 180. We'll be singing his praises in a week's time. But there's things I think uh, John Fraley, I think he's on Twitter. He said the same. Like he's not he's not making. He's, he's not he's, he doesn't seem to be the plays he wasn't making his rookie he's still not making like consistently yeah. and he's when he makes plays I mean that's one of the more the, the positive things about his touchdown against Colts he's a full hands catch mm-hmm. on a f- bomb across the middle by Russell Wilson You're like oh hello that's like DK hands Russell across the middle and then Sunday just none of it but uh, the bigger concern of the offence is where was Gerald Everett where yeah. was Will Disley where, like, I don't think Disney had a... Ta- I don't think he, did Ethan have a target on Sunday? No, so if they did, then none of them were ones that you were, like, were significant targets or plays at all. It really did feel like with the lack of Eskridge, there were only two guys that were ever getting thrown to that weren't running backs. Yeah, yeah. So Everett had two targets, one catch for three yards. Don't remember that exit happening. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like that. That's a bigger concern because Gerald Everett, Gerald Everett's signing was like a sign of, oh yeah, Waldron's gonna do what the Rams did with him and McVay with Everett and Higby, and it just hasn't been. We had a tight end screen against the Colts last week in Week One. It was just like it was, it was yeah, like groundbreaking. Like one a screen, two to a tight end, and it worked for like 15, 16 yards and. And then obviously Will Dizzy had the stiff arm down the sideline against the Colts. But Sunday, I'd like, like, was, uh, Will Dizzy could, I could be talking Will Dizzy was inactive, but I don't think he was. No. Um, but yeah, that's more of a concern because, that, again, that fits into the post-Halloween 2020 Seahawks offense we've seen, which, again, brings questions to what exactly is happening Monday to Saturday evening in that building scheming. But then again, the Titans have an NFL defense. They are allowed to make plays and defend, but particularly with the tight ends, we weren't even trying to make them defend. It just wasn't, didn't exist. What did you make of Pete's comment about wishing Wilson had taken the check down in overtime? I mean, I, I don't. So obviously we have people on Facebook and social media who post all the clips and your 22s and stuff. I don't see, I mean, DK is 
I can we check down, but even that is. I think it's that Carson kind of peels out to the. Well, to I don't. Uh, I don't. It's, it, it does seem a bit of a reach, I have to say. Yeah, it does seem a bit. Like, I, I, I think he's right about making the short, like the short throws, the short completions, and stuff to get like a little bit of rhythm. Because then we saw what we saw in third down, which was a safety. I don't understand how that wasn't a safety, <laughs> but um, that kind of doesn't happen because. It, just that little bit of rhythm will half a step slow down the Titans pass and whatever else because it was beginning to get through with uh, Brandon Charlotte lineup and Jamarco Jones and Kyle Fuller uh, at centre. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't really see it, but I, 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 I get his over like his overarching point of getting some rhythm at that point because he didn't have any in the entire second half, like. That none of their drives were sustained, which is one reason that we only had 49 plays and they had 80 plays. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it was it, it's it, yeah, I'm, I'm just really struggling to to get riled up about Sunday to be honest because they're a good team, they're a playoff team, but yeah, with the best player in the league at the minute, I think, best offensive player in the league, defensive, offensive, offensive, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, he really is something else. It's ridiculous. Like that, I text three people after the touchdown run. So I don't know if you're watching Red Zone, but Derek Henry's just jogged from 51 yards. <laughs> like he didn't, even, yeah. he didn't even, like, we see Chris Carson make that run and like it, it's all effort and it's usually like a few broke tackles. He just jogged past Trey Flowers, whoever defensive end is, and Quandre Diggs. I mean, CJ Price would have missed six weeks after a run of that. <laughs> I mean, that, like, it's just, yeah. And again, another thing Pete said on Monday about his deceptive speed, it, it, like, it sounds stupid because that's usually what follows white slot receivers around the league. But <laughs> it, it's true because, like, I thought he was quicker. I thought he'd look quicker. Yeah. But it's just everything is so, like, Effortless. Yeah, I thought Quandre sort of had him, and then all of a sudden, he very much did not have him. No. And people are criticizing Quandre, but what, it, what? what is he supposed to do? <laughs> like, even if he makes contact with Derek Henry, he's probably running over it. Yeah, the only way to make contact is if he physically left he's, his feet altogether, and Henry would have just swatted him aside. Yeah, like that, like that guy in the, in the French, the, the French, the French rugby. rugby game. That's what should have done. Yeah, he's, he's talking about rugby. He's very journaloman, isn't he? Like journaloman 95, yeah. 96. He is like just bigger and quicker and faster and eff- yeah, it's just with Elvis. Amazing very, to watch. Very, very wrong about I, I do, Henry. I don't know if you remember, in fact, funny to talk about the Vikings, but last year, Dalvin Cook was beyond anything I've ever seen against Seattle. In, he, he got injured for a few plays, thank God, and missed, I think maybe missed a quarter of the game, but he was gashing us. And in the same way with Henry, like I almost get to a point where I'm enjoying watching them play so much that it doesn't mm. hurt as much as it's against my team. Because sometimes like I, I was at that Adrian Peterson game uh, against the Vikings in 2012, where he took off like in the first play for 75 yeah. yards and you're just watching greatness. Yeah. And it, it's almost hard to, to hate it when it's against your team sometimes mm. like that. Yeah. It's, that's like, well, I went to Baltimore game two years ago and Lamar was just, yeah, just unbelievable. Like he can't. <laughs> he was just running eight yards of every every. Well, this is first and ten, it'd be second and two in about four seconds. It's, yeah, it's it's, but it's all yeah. 
yeah, it's, it was ridiculous. But also, we had another classic Seahawks thing of a tight end I've never heard of at six o'clock on Sunday go for 60 or 70. Michael, Michael Pruitt, who, yeah. Was that a name you heard of before the game on Sunday? I don't even know which team he played for. <laughs> well, not ours, he's a tight end. Fine, um, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, Russell Wilson was... It, 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 everything was like the end of back in the last year, wasn't it? With him. yeah, I mean, I mean, Chris Carson had thirty yards on thirteen carries. We only ran the ball like seventeen times. Obviously, only twenty-nine, no, sixteen times. I think we ran the ball, but it wasn't like we weren't getting off the field on third down. They just weren't getting to third down because Derek Henry was just yeah. It was. I, I'd love to have. I, I hope somehow, some way, Pete Carroll was marked up on Sunday because it, it like. His inner monologue must have been amazing watching that happen to his team. Yeah, I mean, f- f- the problem is like, yeah, people can say, oh, we should have run the ball more. Like, we couldn't run the ball. The run blocking was a disaster. <laughs> no, yeah. And like running the ball for the sake of running it would have meant third and outs just happening with a bit longer to go. Now, yeah, you could argue that time of possession, maybe the defense are getting you know, knackered, but we were more likely to get a first down and extend drive by throwing, as far as I could tell, than running because... Yeah, Gabe Jackson, Carl Fuller just had disastrous games that running behind them, like what the hell was that going to do? Yeah, the centre position for Seahawks is just a... Uh, I mean, was is, is Ethan Persich really that injured? Like, <laughs> is he not? Does it matter? Does it matter? <laughs> it's Kyle Fuller, right? yeah. Um, but there is a Frenchman on the practice squad who they could uh, call up. Uh, defensively, but, but pass protection was fine until the final yeah. drive, wasn't it? I mean, Dwayne Brown and... Um, Damian Lewis has made the second year switch to left guard pretty seamlessly, which is another like uh, thread on his bow. The pass rush was decent. If didn't really get to Tannehill, he was sacked three times, which is the same as Russell was on Sunday. Um, but yeah, like, it, and then you've got number 16, who was it at one point was going, was it 59 yards per catch? 57. <laughs> Uh, the, why, what yards per catch after two catches of 57 yards and a 100-yard game after two catches, which is just... But Tyler Luckett was sort of... I don't know. Like We spoke on this part when it was him or Paul Richardson, which one to pay, or was it three, four years ago? I mean, clearly they played the paid the right hand on that one. But that kind of conversation was kind of almost because he was in the, sh- the shadow of Baldwin and everyone else, wasn't it, on that offence? And since Baldwin's retired and since, obviously... Like the, the team has shifted to Russell Wilson's team. He has stepped up pretty much right alongside Russell Wilson on the offensive side of the ball consistently. Uh, Rocket has, isn't he? Oh, I mean, I think you're in a position now where if one of the two receivers had to miss next week, you'd want it to be DK ahead of Tyler Lockett, which is just mm-hmm. remarkable, really, when you think about what the payment situation is going to be like for number 14 at the in uh, nine months' time or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be quite um, interesting, especially if this carries on. Uh, defensively, Bobby Wagner made twenty <laughs> tackles on Sunday. One in every four of the Titans' plays ended was ended by number fifty-four. Um, he was just like I think we said when Paul was on a few months ago that I said that he's for me still the best linebacker in the game, and I was kind of bought that off that ledge by both you and Paul, but I, I still think he is. I think with Sunday, he was just, he was like, or oh, if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to do it myself kind of thing. He, it was just un- unbelievable for him, wasn't I mean, it? Best might be subjective. 
uh, I think you can make a strong case that he's by far the most valuable to his team versus his replacement linebacker okay, yeah. Yeah, in yeah. the league. Because let's say those 20 tackles become 13 tackles if it's someone else. I mean, that could be a 40-burger against us. Yeah. Uh, a 50-burger, you know, could, could be uh, yeah. in that scenario. I mean, he, he's unbelievable. Um, and I'm, I'm probably the best sack of the 2021 season so far as well. Yes, definitely. Uh, and I, I would love you know, to give him some truth serum and, and wonder what he thinks about KJ Wright not being re-signed given the fact that the cap is there. Now, obviously the players don't look at it from the business standpoint in the same way, but uh, even the way he spoke about him in midweek about, you know, the, the tackle that KJ had last week, you can tell that there was a little bit of resentment. I thought that he uh, wasn't playing with his old mate. Uh, and unfortunately, Jordan Brooks can't have games like he had on Sunday because he is there because KJ Wright isn't at the minute. And uh, it becomes a tricky one to uh, but, to deal with. But again, he looks a legit player again. He looks like a, a good, solid first-round pick. Well, he didn't on Sunday, but... Uh, um, I think he looked all right, from what I remember. I mean, he looked better than Cody Barton when he sat out a few plays. You'd hope so as well. Yeah, that's true. It's like, it's like, I, it's like I, catered a lunch, I catered a lunch on Sunday that used to be a potluck lunch and all the guests said, God, this is much better than when we do it. It's like, yeah, it's supposed to. You're paying me to do it. I'm a professional. Jordan Brooks should be better than Cody Barton. That's sort of how it works given the uh, the draft capital and things like that. I mean, to be fair, there's only like 30 picks. between. Yeah, but on the old uh, Jimmy Johnson chart or whatever it's called, oh, there's uh, a lot yeah, of value true. between those, I'd imagine. Yeah, uh, outside defence, Al Woods had a good game, seven tackles. He in the first half when the Seahawks were shutting down Derek Henry, he was the focal point of all that. But he's 38, 39, getting heavy snap counts, snap, uh, uh, just on every play. He's like the archetype of where it all went wrong. He everyone just ran out of gas trying to tackle King Henry, didn't they? He's a remarkably shaped human being, isn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he doesn't look like someone that should, should be able to move as quickly and efficiently as he does with, with that size. I mean, he really is amazing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, they kind of bought in the old guard for, for this uh, for the defensive line this year. You know, it is a group of a lot of veterans, and I guess you're going to have days where he he's like that. And you know, Dunlop Dunlap registered zero stats in the whole yeah. game. Yeah, and he had like 22 snaps as well. Yeah. Um, and I think, I guess the worry is like depth is all well and good. And people can talk about, you know, you know, in 20, in 2013, we had amazing depth and, uh, you know, for the first time now they've got depth like that, but there ain't an Averill and a Bennett on this roster at, at the minute. And even if they were seen and they, they were seen as the backups, let's be honest. Mm. Um, so whilst depth is absolutely something that you need to cover and is all well and good, it begs to be seen yet if the quality there. Is is going to be up to snuff to to stop the best passing offenses? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I I I think I think the D line is pretty good. They just yeah, it's pretty good. But it, I, yeah, it's just around more people who are paid. Which is, and again, the twenty thirteen is something we paid Averill and Bennett relatively substantially. I think I think I can't really remember. But yeah, we haven't really paid any. I mean Dunlap, I guess, but. No one else has really well carry highlights for so maybe this is just a stupid point I'm making. Um but yeah. Uh, so you, you had someone like like Brandon Meebane inside who was yeah. a ridiculously good player. Like there, there's a lot of good players in the in the current roster, but I don't know, sometimes they feel like they just say, Oh yeah, we just have the same number of players as they had in twenty thirteen, therefore it will be as good. And I don't think it's quite as easy as that. 
Yeah, uh, Robert Kendiche uh, <laughs> made his first start, first start in the league for almost three years, and he made seven tackles, uh, only two of them solo. But it's always good when someone makes his first start for a team that doesn't make any, like register, I guess. Register on the stats, but doesn't register in your football. He had a he had a rough one, which is again encouraging for that depth, I guess. He had in the one, long run. I think he had one drive extending penalty. Was it helmet to helmet or rough in the pass? Oh yeah, I think. yeah, it's, yeah. It's physics. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, also talking of penalties, the taunting on DJ Reed. Yes, it's stupid. Known for a while, it's almost. A certainty, I think, as you text me, that Pete Carroll a thousand percent agrees with the taunting rule as well. <laughs> um, I think his comments on Monday uh, seem to support that as well. But it's stupid. I mean, these guys have been doing that. He wasn't even that egregious. No, he it just, wasn't. He just stood up and flexed, which is like just a. It's a physical game, and it, I, th- I think probably it's more the fact that he flexed at the player, which is what they're saying is the thing. I mean, it's obviously ridiculous like ridiculous but the only thing I'd say is that in previous years some of the point of emphasis have been on pass interferences lowering the helmet stuff that like you don't feel is possibly avoidable by the players yeah and the only thing with this taunting thing is that they know exactly what not to do and it is avoidable outside of the actual play of the game if that makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah so my sympathy on it is slightly less than like when they when they were giving pass interference for fucking everything <laughs> like you don't need also when you're a cornerback and the ball gets overthrown you didn't do a hell of a lot there mate like and, and cornerbacks are the worst for stuff like that in fairness yeah. like they they love claiming stuff that had nothing to do with them and i think that was one of those plays like they just need to flex to the stands, just not at players. It's it's so stupid, but at least it's very clear and black and white what you can and can't do. Uh, and I don't agree with it, but at least it's there. Uh, yeah, I think that's all on Sunday, isn't it? It just kind of just happened. Uh, yeah, Sunday happened. Uh, the 60-yard run, there's talk about the Jamal blitzing. I think back-to-back plays he blitzed, but I mean, it's not like it is what it is. Like Jamal isn't is never going to win because he's been paid at this point. I think yeah. I don't think he and this stuff about in, in pass coverage. I don't remember a pass being complete on him. It was no, the he cornerbacks. Was, he was fine. He was fine. It's the cornerbacks, which are the issue. And obviously, which is Sherman's recirculated. Uh, Sunday morning, I think that came back up. The teams started to approach Bruce Arians, Tampa Bay, because of course Tampa Bay may get Richard Sherman because. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yes, the, the thing the thing with a safety is I don't know how a safety plays up to $18 million a year as a contract. No. But every, every other position, we can quantify what they need to do. Like, I guess the way he's going to do it is he's going to lock down George Kittle. I mean, George Kittle's not even a part of the offense. I mean. No, I know. It's weird. And I drafted him third round of <laughs> fancy, which is great. But, uh, or yeah, or lock down, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other tight ends it's, it's, that we're going to play. He's just got to make an impact. And yeah. he didn't really make one on Sunday. But again, like Quandre, are you really going to, I know it's 18 million, but Jamal Adams is not going to tackle Derek Henry one-on-one. And that was the difference on Sunday. But yeah. no one is going to like... No, he's... Al, Al Woods couldn't tackle um, Derek Henry after... I, I'm not... Uh, this is a huge shout but I'm not even sure Nick Ballore could tackle Derek Henry. <laughs> yeah, well, special teams, DJ Dallas, man, was in on everything on Sunday. 
he was if not the first one there, he was the second one there and running off in celebration, which is it's fun to see. I mean, we've had uh, drafted running backs do the same and special teams and not do anything. So did Nick, Nick Ball didn't have a play though this week, did he? Did yeah, he? he did. He absolutely yeah, yeah. smacked someone on a punt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember if that was this week or that, uh, last week. Um, but yeah, I got, that was... I got three text messages uh, straight away. One of them from Nick Wright and a couple other people uh, knowing about my Belor love. Forty-four Belor, get it? Get the printer. Get the printer <laughs> fired up at Lumen Field because we're coming in December. Get it, <laughs> get it fired up. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other thing I said was the Seahawks are one-on-one. Uh, the only team in the NFC West with a, um, a one in the loss column. I think only one or two teams in both West divisions with a loss, I think. I think six of the seven unbeatens are West West Coast teams. Yeah, and I think of all, of all the teams, just as everyone drew up, is us and Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, moving on to the Seahawks, uh, and they go to Minneapolis, Minnesota to face Mike Zimmer and the unvaccinated one in Kirk Cousins and that <laughs> offense. Uh, Justin Jefferson, he's in my fantasy team this week. I nearly benched him, and then I saw at SEA on his opponent. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to keep him in this week. Uh, I mean, they were in a bit of a barn burner down in Phoenix, so, so they were. Kyler Whitlash like the Titans were which is a weird thing that we play in teams who the week before got Kyler Whitlash I'm going to try, try I'm going to try my that thing um, but this is a team which Mike Zimmer since he's been there I don't think he's I think he's 5-0 over 5 against the Seahawks as Vikings head coach and we seem to just find a way to beat them obviously Darwin Cook seems to get injured either in the warm up or in like the fourth play of the game last couple of years, but this is a game after Sunday, which the Seahawks are going to have to win. It's probably more important to win than Sunday was. Oh, certainly. I mean, with the Rams coming into town in week four, I think. No, it's Niners. Oh, no, we've got the... Uh, I'm sure it's the Rams in week four. It's a well-researched podcast. Very well-researched. Uh, I'll, I'll keep talking whilst you can, uh, you can fact-check it. I mean, yeah, after... A loss like if you if if anyone in the NFC West has an under five hundred record, they're going to feel behind the eight ball in some capacity, given yeah. the level of competition around them. So yeah, I mean we're not we're not in must win terms because there's never been a must win game in September, but uh, it does feel like it uh, has more about it now than uh, than last Sunday's did, given the way we started. Yeah, it's uh, at Vikings at Niners, the Rams next two oh, weeks, okay. and Rams is Thursday night. As well, um, yeah, it, yeah, it's just more important. But the, the Vikings are putting up some points, they're putting up some yards. Kirk Cousins is obviously with Jefferson and Thielen and uh, Dalvin, again, but they are finding ways to lose, Adam, which you'd hope continues on Sunday night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to be one of those things that are we going to have, you know, find the firepower to match them because I don't know if you're watching Red Zone at the same time as uh. The Seahawks, which I was on Sunday, I mean, it was difficult really always to tell because the volume wasn't on, but that just seemed like a like a basketball match in, in this, the way in which those two were flinging at each other. Uh, neither team had any answer for the opposition's offence. So it was a heck of a game to watch. But um, yeah, they've got some serious talent on the outside uh, as much as probably, if not more, as the Titans did. And with, with Dalvin Cook as well, you could argue this is as good as a good of a skill position as we as we had last week and uh, 
we probably got a bit lucky overall with the number of points we didn't give up against Tennessee with the drops and the Julio touchdown that was inbounds, out of bounds, whatever you want to call it. So mm. the defense is going to have to make a step up. Otherwise, we're probably going to lose. Yeah. Um, Kirk Cousins has thrown for 578 yards, uh, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Neither quarterback entering uh, this game has thrown an interception this year. Only one uh, turnover from the Vikings offense so far. Um, so yeah, they are they're kind of it's working apart from the end result for the Vikings. It seems on the offensive side of the ball, defensively, it's it doesn't look great, does it, for Vikings? <laughs> I mean, this it kind of feels like the biggest difference in this game is going to be most of our games to kind of boil down to is the quarterbacks. But defensively, it's it's it doesn't look like a team coached by Mike Zimmer, you'd expect it to look like, does it? I feel like Mike Zimmer just goes in every morning, tells the players to fuck off and do what they want to do and I'll see you on Sunday. Because he's just seemed so pissed off with them all year. There's part of me that just wonders if he even knows who the players are on the roster anymore because he just hates them all, which I, I've got full support for. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Anthony Barr isn't practising this week at the minute. He, Everson Griffin is concussed. I mean, all their injuries, all their week two injuries were defensively, which obviously doesn't aid things either. Um, so the Seahawks have just got to be better. Russell Wilson, the passer, which isn't what Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons and Bud Dupree brought to the table, but he's just got to be better, isn't he? And we've got to see DK step up in ways he did last week and maybe the tight ends make the flight this week. Yeah, as boring as it is, I kind of feel like if we win the turnover battle, we'll probably win this game. Uh, I see it as like a field goal game again. And yeah, oh, you're, you're wrinkling your nose. I've got 27-24 in my head to Seattle. Um, I don't know what the what the uh, the desert people are saying about it. It's two. Two, okay. It, it, are we, it was Seattle gets giving points. Yeah, it's just... Uh... Yeah, Seattle minus two, I think. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I would, I would probably take that by one point, but uh, it's one of those games that I, I do feel, apart from us, us getting blown out, probably anything's on the table. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've played both games close, the Cardinals and the Bengals. The Bengals they lost, but the, well, I think that week one game is the first game, first week one game ever where a team. Has never has only trailed with zeros on the clock yeah. twice. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. What do you reckon? I, 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 I think they're going to win on Sunday, but I also don't know how much I'm going to watch because, as I said last week, it's Ryder Cup weekend this weekend, and <laughs> Sunday is singles week. So depending on how well uh, Bird Wiesberger does. Um, Friday, Saturday, it could depend on how much I watch uh, on Sunday night. Well, how much attention I'm paying on Sunday night. Well, it may have to be a laptop job for that and uh, kick kick the old man into uh, into Ryder Cup zone on, on Sunday evening. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, anything else on the Vikings game? It's just, it, it's just They kind of just seem to be... Like, the more I talk about the Vikings, the more I realise how similar these two teams <laughs> Ah, because the Pete Carroll defence against the Mike Zimmer defence and the over-under 56 seems low. Yeah, I guess on the Vikings equivalent of the Pedestrian podcast, which I'm sure exists somewhere in a, in a different universe, they'll be saying that, you know, they need Harrison Smith, is it, the safety? 
and Justin Jefferson to show up. And we'll be saying that we need Jamal Adams and DK Metcalf to show up. Yeah. So I guess it's going to be kind of who wins at, you know, as, as basic as it sounds, I do feel like this is, this is a game that's going to be won or lost by the way in which each team's stars perform. Um, yeah. which is probably true of most NFL games. I haven't really had a, much of a chance to process that thought, but it does strike me as one that it's not going to be the collective that wins this game. It's going to be, you know, the, the, the big players are going, to, are going to win this game for, for either team. Yeah, because on Sunday, Marco Pruitt had a good game, but he wasn't the game winner. It was the best defensive player in yeah. the league. But yeah, um, yeah, I'd also be more alarmed if the Seahawks lost on Sunday than I was. Um, this past week, so prediction was it 27 24? Yeah. I'm going to go 33 23. Blimey, okay. The Seahawks, I think. Um, yeah, I think I do think we'll win. I don't really know why, but <laughs> I do think we'll win. And then go face the Niners down in Santa Clara next Sunday, um, which with a lot on it, I think. Yeah. No matter what they do. Um, in week three, uh, spinning a bit. Let's do it. Oh, actually, one more note on Sunday. Uh, it's pretty cool seeing someone around the pod raise the 12th brand flag, wasn't it? That was very, very cool indeed. Uh, and all the videos that come with it and uh, the hype they give players and Cliff Averill su- passing over the baton of Seahawk Legend of the Year 2021. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably never get over the thrill of doing that show. And uh, yeah, he's just the best. Nope. Uh, yeah, no. He, yeah, he is. So he's answered on the interview where he said his favourite play was one where he blocked a safety like 10 yards downfield. is uh, pretty cool as well. But yeah, uh, Spin Bin, who's number one for you this Ooh, week? I might, I might have to defer this one to you because it's a bit of a shotgun podcast and uh, I'm not sure I've had my thoughts developed yet quite in time. So go for it. Uh, uh, I think I did it the other week. The Houston Texans. Um, Tyra Taylor is out with a hamstring. Yeah. And Davis Mills, Mills. Mills, the Stanford quarterback, rookie quarterback, is playing, and that is all the information. While there's a a large elephant still in the room, like if Tyra Taylor misses the game this year, Deshaun Watson would be the quarterback, but that's not even anywhere. Like, <laughs> like Schefter's tweet was Tyra Taylor's out. It's Davis Mills or whatever his name is. On Thursday, like, what about <laughs> the other one who shouldn't? Yeah, yeah forty million dollars a year. Yeah, <laughs> not even a consideration. So yeah, the the league or the team need to do something again because it's just it's pathetic. Yeah, I agree. Um, is it a bit? Yeah, it probably has been worthy. Adam Gase, I think, can can go back in because. Uh, you watch Sam Darnold, and I have to say I'm thrilled for Sam Darnold to start so well in Carolina. Seems like a nice bloke. We saw him for USC. At, were you not there? No. I, I, was at, I was at that game where he absolutely torched the Husky defense, um, made a mockery of them, to be honest. He was brilliant. And it, it did get me thinking that you think about someone like Josh Rosen, who by all accounts was going to have a decent career, got drafted to the wrong team, then got traded to the wrong team. And I do wonder if maybe in five years' time we're going to start seeing these young quarterbacks who will already be probably wealthy because of their name and image and likeness stuff in college. Lawrence. Uh, well, yeah, maybe tre- big Trev with Urban Meyer. I do wonder if something, so one day one of these guys is going to say, nah, I ain't going to you where I'm drafted because I'm not, I'm not playing under, I'm not having my career 
ruined by uh, a coach like you. So I, I do find that quite interesting. Um, I mean, Eli did it sort of for different reasons. Yeah, I think. what happened Eli did with that specifically? Because it was a bit before my time. He just didn't want to play for the Chargers, I don't think. So, so they, they, they traded. I mean, it worked. He went to Super Bowls in New York and Philip Rivers is... Um, when you, yeah, Eli Manning won two Super Bowls and he's on the ESPN Monday Night Football getting a million and a half years a week with his brother. Philip Rivers didn't win a Super Bowl. Don't think he played in the Super Bowl and he's now a high school coach for a church religious school. I mean, <laughs> if you pick New York over San Diego and that's the result, you've kind of... You've done all right. Yeah, but yeah, the, yeah, I, I think it's going to happen. I think the Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, Shotty and Bevel triumvirate down in uh, Jacksonville could be... I mean, that offence just looks like nothing. I actually had someone... I'll try and find the tweet exactly, but uh, a Jacksonville fan just tweeted at me in the middle of the game, basically damning me to hell for the existence of Daryl Bevel. Do you know him? Who? The Jacksonville fan? Yeah. Yes, I do. Oh, okay. I just thought it was going to be really random. Yeah. No, no. He's like one of the U- like uh, one of the guys, I think, that started uh, supporting them when they did a lot over in the UK, and that's his team now. And, uh, yeah, basically just damning me to hell for... Uh, also, for- also, and they're playing the Jets at... Spurs in like three weeks, two weeks. Yes, they are. Uh, or is it, I think it might be Atlanta against the Jets. Oh, oh, that's like even Could worse. be worse. That's yeah, like, it could be worse actually. Yeah. Let's yeah. see if I can uh, dig this out. Yeah, I mean, the London games don't look like they're going to be the most auspicious. No. Uh, do I mean, I mean, it fits into what's happening at that stadium on Sunday afternoons every week, Adam, so... Hmm. I hold you, thank you very much. I hold you personally responsible for Daryl Bevel being a thing in the NFL. Fair. Yeah, fair. Yeah, we were the official Daryl Bevel part of yeah. this in the first yeah, couple exactly. of years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, uh, good yeah, old James it's, Knight. It's uh, not great down there. Um, anyone else? Any other notes from the NFL week two? Um, a lot of bad games, weren't there? Especially, in the, I obviously didn't watch Red Zone. I didn't really watch. I haven't even seen anything from any other football. But, um, like, also the, the hardball thing of him shouting Lamar, Lamar, do you want to go for it? What else was Lamar Jackson going to say? <laughs> no, mate. That's, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's give it to Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek yeah. Hill for forty-five seconds. Coffin corner season. <laughs> that, that, that is very interesting though, because. Uh, Pete Carroll, I believe, said that he really wanted to get that one yard uh, when the, when Damian Lewis full started um, yeah. on like our 39-yard line. And he said, you know, I thought we would have won the game if we got that one yard. It does make you think that if that's the case, why wouldn't you try and just get six yards? Yeah. Because getting, getting six yards once is yeah. probably easier than punting, defending, then having to go again. In the same way as like, what was Mike Vrabel doing not going for two? <laughs> Yep. What was he yeah. doing? Yeah. Well, we, yeah. I mean, like I said, he, he jogged fifty-one yards. He was he could have river danced him from two. <laughs> he could have done it backwards. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really didn't understand the logic there, um, and I, I can't imagine that his anal- analytics team were, were too thrilled about no, it. But uh, no. that did seem like a bizarre call when they could have just lit. Yeah, just as you say, just waltzed into the end zone almost at will at that point. Yeah, and Chicago Bears fans have got their wish. Justin Fields is starting this week. Uh, it's according to fantasy, projected 19 points, but it wasn't great. 
uh, opening salvo from Fields, was it, on Sunday evening. He seemed to struggle a little bit. I mean, I think saw someone tweet that Adam Robinson dropped that because he couldn't believe it hit him where it was supposed to. <laughs> I mean, typically the only rookie quarterback that looks the part is the one that's landed at the Patriots. And even he... Even he isn't... Yeah, it's not going to tear in the world up, no. But uh, the Houston one looks right for bits of the Cleveland game and down the team really look a bit weird. And Nick Chubb, uh, Rashad Penny over Nick Chubb looks there. Solid. Stellar, stellar decision. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Seahawks on Sunday night, then they face the Niners the week after, so we'll pod for that. Get involved, your usual means and methods. Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, patreon.com forward slash the pedestrian podcast. Uh, yeah, until next time, it's been the Ped Pod. Go Hawks.